As Vietnam War imagery goes, Kent State is up there with a self-immolating monk and children running from a napalm strike. The picture of Mary Ann Vecchio standing over the body of Jeffrey Miller, who, along with three others, had been shot and killed by Ohio National Guardsmen in 1970 during a protest over the war, marks a notable example of the growing divide in the United States over the country's involvement in Vietnam. Tonight, we'll briefly examine the events that led to the shootings and compare it to protests going on today. Well, I'm not a crook. I've burned everything I've got. A military-industrial complex. We are here to destroy the control over the industry of other people. I did not trade arms for hostages. It's been nine years. <laughs> soldiers and Nixon's coming. We're finally on our own. This summer I hear the drumming. Four dead in Ohio. Hey, welcome to the myth of the 20th century. We're going to talk about a massacre today, just like every other day. Got a full house, but uh, some people are having some uh, technical difficulties, so it might just uh, might just be me. And it isn't uh, me. Oh, we got one more. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, wait, Adam's there too. Wait, this is like a uh, like a Christmas miracle. This is the reverse of the Kent State massacre. People are actually coming back. <laughs> the sum total of my we, knowledge uh, we, about this event was speaking a, of which, uh, I, a picture I think... of my history book. That's that's about it. Some lady crawling over a dead guy. Crying about how they're killing us. A teen runaway, by the way, because it's 1970. We should probably share the bad news with the audience. Yeah, if you were looking forward to uh, cat sounds to make things more cozy, uh, you're you're not going to get those anymore. Uh, Fluffy, uh, Fluffy ascended. We've lost two of our contributors. Yeah, hopefully he'll be he'll be back. Uh, ideally, you know, there would be a sort of uh, uh, rhetorical symmetry involved if uh, I could be eaten by a tiger that was uh, born uh, born just a few days ago. So that would be nice if that could be arranged. I don't know if anyone is uh, out there able to arrange that, but uh, if fate could sort of metastasize into a lethal tiger attack, that would really wrap up a lot of loose ends. I just had a mountain cat in the backyard. But, you know, I expected... I had high hopes for 2021. You know, I uh, I was thinking that Bidenism was in and all of our problems would go away, but it just seems like things keep getting worse. Hmm. Funny that. Uh, you know, if you're in 1970 Ohio, there's really no place to go, but... I mean, sideways, I guess. It's it's really kind of 1970 to 1980. It's, uh, it's not doing a whole lot of upswing there. Well, what exactly happened in Ohio? Ah, what didn't happen? So we got to contextualize events here. Uh, so the year is 1970 in this uh, this scenario, and Richard Nixon, that guy, uh, who I know we've praised him in the past, but if you look at how he used the Vietnam War in a domestic context, uh, it was a fairly ruthless synchronicity uh, between uh his foreign policy objectives and his uh, attempts to massage his domestic uh, political popularity. And the inciting incident 
uh, for the sort of wave of 1970, specifically Vietnam protests, was that he had uh, announced uh, having uh, actually perpetrated uh, for many years, but he had just announced uh, the invasion of uh, Cambodia uh, in order to interdict the the Ho Chi Minh Trail that was supplying the uh, the southern divisions of the NVA, a.k.a. the Viet Cong, with uh, war material and uh, personnel. So at this point, uh, you know, having kind of reached the apex of public uh, disdain for the Vietnam War, at least in certain large sectors of the population and certain politically influential large sectors of the population. Uh, the fact that rather than peace with honor and uh, reasonable interval, uh, instead we got a expansion of the war uh, into yet another country uh, with all the anticipated destabilizing effects that that would have and the increased American uh, presence in the region, increased casualties, increased grafting, etc., that uh, caused people to go frickin' berserk. Uh, there was a wave of uh, both student and non-student protests. The reason that you hear so much about the student protests is because the people that were super-duper into that uh, are currently the... Uh, the ancient uh, boomers running the major TV networks and etc. So there's a kind of cultural fixation on the student aspect of uh, the protests that swept the country. There were dozens uh, upon dozens at various levels of severity. But this came within the context of an even larger wave of kind of general student unrest Things like the occupation of Columbia University, the uh, the Weatherman, uh, all this shit, uh, basically causing a situation where the political leadership of the country were like, okay, this situation is like becoming less and less controllable. At a point in time where you had uh, college administrators that were not. Uh, perceiving themselves as trying to advance full communism as their main mission objective, uh, as you have today, but uh, something like uh, provide a, a good environment for the youths to learn. Uh, no funny business. So this was set up for a very toxic uh, combination of events that metastasized in events like Kent State. Yeah, what what are other people what like when somebody says Kent State, it's like you see the screaming lady. What what's your like impression beyond that? Well, I don't actually don't know anything. I mean, I'll just be completely uh, objective here and, and admit that I I do remember wondering a little bit about the context. I mean, obviously there was. A hell of a lot of uh, agitation on the student side against the Vietnam War. Uh, there was the presence of the National Guard, I'm assuming. I mean, who, who was carrying the rifles? Uh, and then somebody yeah. opened fire. Why that happened? What was the stuff leading up to it? It's like, like I, I have a couple friends in my life, and most friends I'll take their word for it, but there's a few, and I'm sure you all have friends like this, that always have a story about how they're the victim and I, I don't know what it is. I, I can't quite describe the exact personality type, but that person always makes me start wondering, okay, what did you do to precipitate that? And in this circumstance, I'm of course going to ask that question given the leftist slant in our academic and media institutions, I immediately question, especially at this point in my life, but even back when I was younger, why were they shooting? I mean, were they throwing, the students throwing rocks or were they being violent? I mean, I, I don't know, but uh, I'm just asking questions here. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Nick, what's your sort of first impression? 
I just I always thought it was tragic that uh you know nobody was shot like uh Jerry Rubin or Bernadine Dorn or someone like this. It just seems uh seems kind of low effort as far as state massacres of unarmed people go. No, that's that's accurate. I mean we're talking the National Guard here. Like no offense, some of my best that's friends are, yeah. are in the guard, but uh like you, you send the professionals, the full time guys, if you really uh if you want to really stack some bodies. Although maybe not. Like it was uh, definitely it, it like it's a boomer, it's definitely one of those like moments, you know, in uh in the boomer mythology of the time that if you you know, had professors or teachers or parents or whatever who were of that generation. Uh, your, your familiarity with this from the mythological, cultural standpoint. Yeah, I mean, the... I remember being taught about it and it just not really being, again, like even then when I was hearing about it, it just seemed a little bit low effort. I mean, only only four people were killed. I mean, in uh, all over the world, like in India or in Africa, you know, you have people opening fire into crowds racking up much higher KD ratios. Yeah, not a whole lot of uh, Ds there. So, you know, infinite ratio, you can't really go wrong. But the, I mean, the mythology here is that, well, you had all the pretty hippie ladies with like slim BMIs uh, holding, holding flowers and playing uh, Crosby, Still, Nash and Young in some sort of time paradoxical circle. And they, they wanted peace very badly. And they were handing flowers to, to the National Guard. They, they put them in the rifle. And then the National Guard opened fire. And then they left. And everybody was very sad. And the one pretty lady started screaming. And somebody took a photograph. Uh, and then we decided that we needed peace. And so uh, we impeached Richard Nixon. It's all very hazy and it, it sort of blends together different events and different mythoses. Uh, but I think that really, if you're going to kind of, it, it's both a mistake and not a mistake to kind of just try to make everything super contemporary. Like everything is like everything else because you do have historically specific uh events that's what history is but i think it's a lot easier if you conceptualize this as if imagine that you have like a blm chimp out that goes out for days and is just burning down massive amounts of shit and then you bring in your ill-trained uh rich jerk-offs who are skipping out on uh, their nom duty and you you frighten them a whole lot not enough to like make them actually fear for the lies but just like enough to like scare the shit out of them and they're like ah shit bang 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 and then everybody is like oh shit that's the sort of clusterfuck that you want to imagine here that's the sort of clusterfuck that could have easily happened contemporaneously in dc or minneapolis or any of these other uh, cities with mildly uh, more provocation or mildly less trained troops or just the roll of the dice. So, I mean, this, the, the quote-unquote massacre only happened at uh, uh, May 4th, I believe, which was the, uh, the fourth day of four days of protests slash rioting where you had uh, people uh, starting by breaking, as one does, a bunch of windows, breaking cop cars, tossing beer bottles at cops, breaking into banks, uh, etc. And it becomes clear that like, anger is not abating, uh, and it's accelerated by the response of the... I mean, th there's no counterfactual here, so you can't say, like, oh, if everybody had just, like let them get it out of their system, everything would be fine. But the response of bringing in cops on day one to try to knock some heads because, like, ah, these youngsters, 
dad read too much Dr. Spock or whatever. Day one, you have like a fair amount of property damage. And by day two, you have this sort of like psychological reaction to this where you have all these insane rumors of the, I mean, things maybe not so insane given the context of weathermen actually like blowing up shit and actual armed insurrections in places like Oakland, Baltimore, etc., where people are like, ah, all these all these hippies, they're they're gonna get guns. You've got infiltrators coming in from out of town. They're gonna blow up the reservoir. They're gonna spike the water supply, etc. So people are very much on edge on day two, and the property damage continues. The rioting continues, and eventually they make this decision to bring in the national guard. So this is a major escalation, um, but it's probably an appropriate escalation given the fact that people are lighting things on fire, attacking firemen, trying to put them out and making like fairly explicit uh, threats to like burn down specifically like the ROTC, uh, which eventually they do burn down uh, with uh, with minimal uh, response or consequences. So, I mean, you can imagine this again happening in the in the context of something like contemporary uh, BLM protests or just like, you know, very hazily defined other uh, chimp outs. Only these are, uh, you know, college students who should know better trying out of education here. And it's by no means clear that there's even like when we say college students, it's like there's considerable dissent from this position. There's a temptation to say that just because like the side that won, uh, which is our contemporary ruling class, uh, were, you know, nice college students or whatever at this time. And they, of course, at least retroactively opposed the Vietnam War, that this was some sort of a universal uh, event or like a universal uh, I was looking for there. There was a poll that was taken the height of the Vietnam War, and I, I can't find it. It's a famous poll, and if I remember correctly, what it found Fox, uh, was skewed in in favor of college graduates, whereas the opposition tended to be non college graduates, at least in majority. Yeah, and the class dimension to this is definitely interesting. One thing I think is funny about the aftermath of this when you had uh, the, you had a, a student strike. What the fuck is a student strike? <laughs> I mean, it actually makes more sense uh, in in like current contexts if you think of like a strike as just disrupting the operation of the institution because the mission of most universities is not to like education is just like a semi profitable uh, sideline, but really the job is to snorkel up grant grant money and to do like quote unquote research to pump out product, to pump out research, to uh, pump out activism, etc. And if you disrupt the operation of that, then it's like, well, okay, now now things are are taking a hit to the bottom line, but yeah, I mean, the notion that like, well, we're you already cashed our check, but we we don't have to show up. <laughs> Less than impactful. That was that was after the fact, though. I mean, at this point, everybody's still still going to school. Yeah, and you're right, like. Public opinion was heavily divided. You had a huge uh, portion of like nice jockey, uh, buzz cut, uh, buzz cutted dudes who were like, "Yeah, you know, the shit." Like, came here to get an education doesn't mean I'm like trying to go home with her tail behind her legs or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's well, what, not and like one of the women shot was just. Like walking, I think. She wasn't actually involved in it. 
if I have that right. Oh yeah, yeah. Most of the people that were shot because there were um well like fourteen shots. Uh killed four and wound wounded nine. I guess thirteen shot, of which four died. Uh so a lot of the so if you get into just logistic like shooting, just like uh just just shooting. Like there was no you know, aiming involved here. It's just uh I mean the notion of if you're popping aiming, a few rounds was, into the crowd. There was no like proximal threat. So, I mean, by day three, like, things have gone completely haywire. You've got the, the frickin' governor chimping out uh, and doing a press conference, calling them, uh, calling the protesters revolutionaries bent on destroying higher education uh, in Ohio. It's like, bro, if only you knew how bad things were going to get. It's like, no, they don't want to destroy it. They want to take it and use it as a skin suit. So... At this point, it's like, you know, when you're responding to these things, there's a temptation to try to create like what I've been calling like a oh shit dad's home moment. So usually now that's like the the end the game is to bring in the National Guard because it's like, oh, you you wouldn't throw bricks at a soldier, would you? Like, he's a volunteer. He fights for your freedom. Don't you remember 9-11? It's like, she, like, 9-11, that's honky shit. Uh, so that's less and less effective. It was very effective for, like, maybe a 40-year uh, time period. But at this time in history, it's like, well, fuck the army too because they're the ones that are perpetrating this mess and they're the ones that are going to forcibly induct me as soon as I graduate. So not too not too keen on the National Guard, especially since joining the National Guard was kind of a politically favored uh, position that allowed you to avoid duty in Vietnam, famously taken advantage of by uh, George W. Bush. Bush amongst many, many others. So it's like, yeah, just because this dipshit, uh, you know, you know, putting yourself in the mind of like the least charitable uh, interpretation of what these guys are thinking as they're burning down the ROTC and throwing shit at the National Guard. It's like, well, that guy is basically the same age as me, but he's not fucking smart enough to get into college, but he's got a rich dad. So he got into the guard or maybe even worse, like he got out of college. He's in a position that I'd like to be in, but his dad got him into the guard. So he doesn't have to go to Nam like I'm going to have to do because I'm just some dipshit in Ohio. So fuck that guy. He's just as happy, and he'll take the orders once Nixon sends his ass to Vietnam, which I dearly hope he does so he can get a taste of his own medicine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, there is a strange thought, in other words, that's not like, thank you, soldier man, fighting for our freedom. It's like, no, fuck you especially, like more than the random guy on the street Fuck you, especially for being in the guard. So tear gas is deployed. Uh, essentially, there's like a not quite weapons free, but like we're shutting this shit down response by the governor uh, and the local university administrators and the local uh, mayor who declares a curfew. Everybody is fucking pissed and on edge, and there hasn't actually been enough force deployed to shut things down. Like, the university is still basically operational, and you still have people going around. It's just, oh, now there's supposed to be a curfew. It's the same sort of kind of... I mean, there, there frankly is no reason to go full martial law. Like, people are legitimately pissed. But there's not enough warm bodies deployed in order to prevent destruction and an amplification of tension. It's not even clear that there really could be, given the sentiment. On day four, this is when things go completely fucking haywire, uh, because now they start doing things during the actual day. Uh, so there's a scheduled protest at noon, high noon, uh, 
they get a court order of dubious legality that, okay, no, shut down, everybody go home. No such uh, no such protest. And they start sending in uh, the actual National Guard to actually disperse the protest. Now, this is something that you do not see for reasons exactly like this. You do not see the current doctrine uh, being the actual employment of the National Guard in personally dispersing people. They're mostly like street meat that stands in a place, don't let people buy, protect this building or whatever, park your ass, like fix bayonets, whatever. If somebody starts shooting at you, fine. If we're feeling frisky, you can shoot back. But no, the guys whose job it is to club heads and throw tear gas and everything else, those are the local cops who have to do this shit as part of their training, etc. National Guard, especially at the time, it's like, well, you're 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 the reserves in case in case like the Soviet Union goes across the Fulda Gap. That's your job. Your job is to do like mass infantry warfare in Germany in a post-apocalyptic hellscape, not to understand the finer points of crowd control and mob psychology. But nevertheless, they decide that they're going to uh, use the National Guard in order to disperse, uh, quote unquote, the crowd. And they kind of half-ass it. They, there's only so many of these guys they start kind of rolling people out of the area. They're not getting into uh, kind of quote-unquote close combat. They're mostly advancing. The protesters are throwing shit. They're in kind of small groups, which is not great. And they they fix bayonets in advance. Uh, this is just the worst possible uh, situation. And in fact, in like other campus protests, it ended up with the National Guard uh, just bayonetting a shitload of college students. Uh, In this situation, people have the good sense and physical ability to run away, even though there's a crush. And at this point, sort of narratives uh, diverge. And you can find the kind of animations and narrative descriptions with nice little maps of uh, who's supposedly going where at what time. But essentially, the culminating uh, incident here is you have the National Guard that is advancing with bayonets fixed and just sort of chasing a mob of students around the commons. They get lost. They get their backs backed up against a fence. The mob is still like kind of in skirmisher mode. If you've played like a lot of Age of Empires, they're tossing shit. They're not exactly afraid that they're going to be like mobbed and torn limb from limb because they've got loaded Garands with fixed bayonets. Nobody's doing human waves here. This is America, not Korea. So they're still pinned against this fence and the mob is still throwing shit and eventually somebody opens fire and then there's sort of a a i guess if you can't do a contradiction in terms a a light mag dump where there's about 30 seconds of sustained fire but uh, you don't seem to have people you know reloading and uh, having at them uh even more at this point the mob at closest is about 100 meters away um, the casualties, they all have them nicely mapped out. They're, you know, 80 meters at closest um, with the bulk of everyone being fairly far away. Some people shot uh, much, much further away. Clearly not an actual uh, threat that uh, they're going to suffer any uh, physical harm that would justify just like unloading upon a crowd. So... This is the point at which the actual massacre, quote-unquote, happens. You have all of the deaths. You have the uh, famous uh, photo of this uh, this 14-year-old uh, runaway, uh, Marianne Vecchio, or Vecchio uh, kneeling over the body, uh, yelling at the, uh, the reporter. And this is uh, 
this is sort of the end of the incident itself. So complete shit show all around. Uh, mistakes were made. So what was the, uh, I don't know if you know this, but what was the initial reaction versus the historical reflection on this event? Was this a, I mean, was it, it probably wasn't reported correctly as most things aren't, but was the correlation between what actually happened and what was reported more accurate back then or did it get more distorted over time was people's perceptions different than they are today uh what's your read on that hank i mean i think that the the consensus kind of formed immediately like if you're if you're talking like within the hour there were obviously some people that were like well shit like we're, we're just gonna kill them all uh am all being uh the national guard themselves like there was a serious uh, danger How? that somebody was going to get even. Well, I mean, you can use your With imagination, books? but like, well, your pencils. It, it's Ohio. Everybody's everybody's got their deer rifle uh, okay. back uh, back at the homestead. Okay, but we we being how... the people of Ohio or the the student protesters of Kent State, the students. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, I mean, there there was a serious danger that like there were going to be at least some people that just started, you know, chucking Molotovs. Uh, there were people that had weapons. There is this whole like mythos of like, oh yeah, we were fired upon by a sniper. There's no such thing as a fucking sniper. When you're talking about the 1970s, like 100% of the stories of like, oh yeah, we were shot at from some rooftop. Like nobody's ever been able to confirm any of those. It's not to say that like it didn't happen once or twice, but usually it's like, well, somebody's shooting, usually the person with a fucking gun, which means the National Guard or police sound echoes and suddenly everybody's fucking shooting. That's, there's never been a casualty that has been able to be ascribed by some sort of a rooftop or bush top sniper. So there's always nonetheless, like these stories of, Oh yeah, we were fired upon because that's of course what you would say. It might even be what you perceive depending on where you are and what you hear. And if you're not exactly the first person to start, start shooting. So there's a, a professor who uh, intervenes, I guess, a, a fairly popular professor that was like, you fools, you have to leave now. Like, they're, they're just going to fucking mow us all down if we start charging them. Like, you got to go home and think about what you actually want to do. And I guess he is convincing enough in the moment that everybody basically runs away at that point. But, I mean, the very next day, uh, you can look up some of the newspaper headlines. It's like, you know, four dead in Ohio. Uh, it's, it's a fairly immediate uh, consensus that, like, this is obviously a bad thing. Uh, it's not like, you know, clashes between, uh, like you see with uh, certain, certain present day slash present week uh, conflicts. Well, that, like, that headline, no. for example, could have read Kent State Massacre or uh, National Guard Defense Itself or, uh, as you just said, it was sort of neutral, in my opinion. So that's yeah. kind of what I was curious about. Like, what was the what what was the the angle that people were spinning? Yeah, I mean, the angle is basically like civilian massacre here. Uh I mean, I don't think based on my my browsing of just like the uh, kind of honestly cursory, I didn't get into like local news or the places where you would expect kind of uh, public opinion to be dramatically more sympathetic to the National Guard. Um, but if you're looking at kind of like the, the quote unquote papers of record, it's all like immediately condemnatory. And. I mean, that's sort of expected, honestly, given the, the content of uh, the events. Like, again, if you're talking about people shot from 100 yards away um, throwing rocks, it's like, yeah, I realize a rock to the head can 
brain you pretty good. But uh, putting yourself in that situation is not a not a sound maneuver. If your if your response to like angry mob chucking rocks is like, well, we're gonna start shooting then, then uh, unless you're you're a very important ally, that uh, that is not sound practice. So, what I I think about is you got to consider how many lives were saved that day because of the four boomers who were liquidated you know there's a definitely a non-zero probability that at least one of them would grow up to preside over and to sanction the drone bombardment of afghani weddings not implausible like the same, the same crowd was uh, was cheering the uh, the highway of death, circa thirty or uh, twenty years later, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, so I've read kind of the the most charitable uh, dissident, quote unquote, or like revisionist history of this event, where they. Uh, point out very clearly that, like, yes, they were they were pinned against this fence. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They were taking rocks. There are actually, like, protocols for what the fuck you do uh, in that situation. Uh, if you look up, like, some of the field manuals, um, which are always fun reading, it's like, some of the... Okay, so... The, the dumbness of the median uh, college students uh, at this place. It's like, oh, I bet they're firing blanks. Oh, wait, no, that's not blanks. It's like, well, why the fuck would you issue blanks? Like, that's not, that's not how anyone does anything. Why would there be blanks? How many cowboy movies did you watch where that was a plot point? So, I... What? Nevertheless, like they have like German shepherds was that? to deploy. Why don't they have dogs? Seems like an effective way to me of uh clearing uh clearing a uh college uh, quad or whatever. You don't send a dog into a crowd send like the dog. dog's gonna die. If you take a dog on like an angry crowd, like the dog is just gonna get kicked to death. Like they did have tear gas, well, but I guess at that point, well, I mean, hypothetically, no, I don't. They did have tear gas, but they were wandering around in such a group, and also there were weird wind issues. It's actually it's kind of hard to deploy uh, tear gas without training, uh, or the proper equipment, or even just like the right terrain. That's why. Uh, you have a lot of these like projectors, um, you know, launchers basically, and it tends to work a lot better in kind of constrained urban areas where you're trying to specifically get it away from one specific area so that you can advance into that area. Uh, in this context, or like for defensive purposes, it's not really very effective. They didn't have pepper balls. You do have the option of like, Firing into the ground, hypothetically, that's one of the techniques that's suggested. Uh, but uh, the problem is that if you get like a bunch of guys and you try to uh, convince them to do that, uh, it, it doesn't work very well because everybody just starts shooting because they get really scared. You have the option of advancing with bayonets and just like Did doing ye old bayonet charge, which usually moves people along pretty well. Uh, or unfixing bayonets and just like wading in with like your giant fucking 12 pound rifle and just beating the shit out of people, uh, which also can work pretty well. Uh, they didn't do any of these things. It's it, it was just like a fuck up. Nobody decided like, all right, let's start blasting. We got to shoot our way out of this thing. It was just a giant fuck up. And they also didn't try the, the use of diversionary free buffalo wild wings diversionary tactics like they they have one soldier take his pants off and free, start free buffalo wild wing yeah i mean like they didn't Did they, they even didn't have mcdonald's snacks. back then is... oh yeah yeah 
Oh, yeah. I, guess I don't know if he was like thing. the pop culture icon, but no. uh, it was a classy joint back in the day, too. I mean, like, relatively speaking, then to the genre. I mean, is it attributed who fired the shots and were, was there consequences for this or any aftermath for this? And the short answer is no. Like, you have a bunch of reviews. I mean, other than like the, the pile of bodies and. You know, you did have uh, subsequent protests and the uh, the quote unquote student strike uh, that you mentioned. Uh, there, there's one funny incident. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say objectively funny uh, that they had a better sense of humor back in the day. Uh, somebody in NYU during the protest, uh, there's this giant banner that said uh, they can't kill us all, <laughs> which it's like. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. <laughs> kind of so, like good news. Like I, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you can you can react. I mean, that's what makes it funny. It's like you can uh, you can interpret it in a bunch of different ways, all of which sort of tickle the fancy. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to appear excessively callous but it's like history really is stories of a bunch of people that are now dead uh some of which died in more uh interesting ways than others uh like you it's have hard not to be callous when you consider the context yeah, and this, i mean and frankly what's even at the time like South Asia. It, Immediately before this, um, you had uh, uh, what's his name, the uh, the yippie, uh, then the yuppie, uh, Jerry Rubin, Jerry uh, Rubin, who's like, yeah, who who like spoke on campus the previous month, and it's like, hey man, the first part of the yippie program is to kill your parents. They're the first oppressors. LOL, just laughing in Minecraft. Ha ha. So it's like. All right, the the sense of like ironic carnage is not something that we came up with here. If anything, that's something that suffused into the popular culture via like this particular group of like quote unquote countercultural people that became the culture. Like at that point in time, it's like, okay, this is a shocking thing. He means it like ironically, but not ironically, like haha in Minecraft, whatever. Now that that has just like suffused into the popular zeitgeist, it can be like, okay, we can interpret they can't kill us all. Like, yes, A, they probably meant that ironically or like, you know, kind of in a uh, a facetious way. It's like it's appropriate to laugh at that. I mean, frankly, if they even if they didn't and that was like an earnest uh, let's do some human waves like. Mao Zedong, uh, Mao Zedong thoughts, number one. Like, you can still be like, this is a, this is a fucked up situation, but because it's so fucked up, you think about things in a different way, which is kind of the essence of comedy. So everybody's real steamed. Nixon is like, oh, we're, we're sad, that, we're sad that violence. He uh, he became like a smoothie salesman before he ended up getting hit by a bus or whatever in L.A. Yeah, I mean that was the that was the like, was, yippie, like yuppie uh, transition there. It's like, wait, I've got yeah, money exactly. now. Whereas, uh, it's like, well, now that, now that I've got uh, money, uh, Abby Abby Hoffman, I think he uh, either killed himself in his bathtub or OD'd or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember his like later life. Mostly do the uh the opposite of that, but like uh I I recall uh that being like the uh the genesis of the word yuppie was him specifically. Oh yeah. But as far as consequences, it's like okay, inquiries, inquiries, etc. But I mean nobody goes to jail over it. Uh there's there's nothing that like happens on an institutional level other than like people are really steamed and everybody realizes that the national guard is not a uh, crowd control organization. So 
as as we've seen over the past uh i don't know six months since the election uh the national guard has been deployed to our 51st state washington dc under whose jurisdiction i couldn't tell you but in the case of ohio neither can they yeah was this under the ohio governor's uh instructions i remember ronald reagan when he was governor of california did that in uh university of california system when there's protests but uh yeah this was all this was all governor level the feds weren't involved whatsoever gotcha um there was some it was like a classically nixonian uh statement like when dissent turns to violence it's fucked up don't be violent uh something like that uh uh but there there's no yeah, there, there's really no federal involvement other than, you know, the whole Vietnam War thing, which I guess is pretty federal, about as federal as you can get. So, I mean, when I started looking into this, I thought it was going to be a lot more kind of uh, revisionist than it was. And, like, you can be maximally charitable to the National Guard uh, in this situation, like I always try to put myself in the shoes of the person who does the fucked up thing and try to think about what were they feeling? What were they perceiving? What did they think was going on? Why were they there? Like everybody has a reason for doing the things that they do. And it's pretty easy to see why the first guy might start shooting it's like, well, he's really scared uh, and not making the best judgment. Like, maybe his personality is not the greatest. Uh, maybe he just, you know, hypothetically, like, you can't, even if you're being very charitable, you can't assume that everybody has, like, good, uh, like, morally good reasons for doing the things that they do. Like, maybe somebody is like, fuck these people. I want to see some of them hit the floor and starts blasting. It's like, Oh, I thought it was a sniper. It's incredibly easy to see why like the second or third or 15th or whatever person starts shooting because it's like, well, there's a bunch of shooting. Don't want to be left out. Like that's kind of our thing, like shooting together. That's, that's sort of what we do here. Uh, So, I mean, you can understand (laughs) why this happened from their perspective. Uh, It doesn't mean that like the actual active decisions that were made were good decisions. And I don't believe some of the uh, more kind of super contrarian that like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like those hippies had it coming or whatever, because like you're, the people that you're like verbally abusing basically uh, are like in a situation that they put themselves into Therefore, like they get to open fire in a crowd that's a hundred meters away. So, I mean, honestly, this is probably my least uh, contrarian uh, <laughs> uh, take possible here. They're like, yes, indeedy. It was really fucked up. Uh, probably shouldn't have been in Vietnam either at that point. Uh, plausibly would have been like somewhere in that crowd if you put me in that situation so uh yeah not uh not dissenting too much on the uh the premier dissident uh, history podcast here that's understandable i mean the other thing that occurred to me while we're talking about this is as nick was pointing out uh college students weren't particularly against on average the vietnam war and I know people who didn't have to go to Vietnam because they were in college. So it is kind of ironic that the people who are complaining the loudest have the least to lose. And that's just my instinctual reaction to a lot of these protesters. They're just a bunch of spoiled brats. However, I do agree with you. The uh, the war was pretty much not in the national interest at that point. And it was uh, not going for the benefit of the country. So I don't blame the protesters too much. But uh, 
it, it it's it it just strikes me as a little bit um, not hypocritical, uh, but suspect of what their real motives are. I think we talked about this a little bit last episode with the Bader Meinhof gang. I, I I don't know, you know, on average or in particular, but I would say there was got to be some element to these protesters that they they just like getting attention and and not going to class because it's more interesting and more fun to go out there and scream and yell and yeah. throw things. That was a common rhetorical line of attack uh, against these people. And I mean, it's not something that's unique to college students either. Like everybody likes a big show. Everybody likes joining a big crowd and being part of a big crowd doing something, or at least like there's a heavy selection effect uh, in big crowds for somebody that does enjoy that sort of thing. I mean, really, the the notion that like, oh, well, you don't you're not immediately on the draft list. Therefore, you don't like get to have an opinion about the the direction of your country, especially when it's like, well. Two or three years from now, uh, yes, I will be in that situation. I mean, it, it kind of uh, I'm I'm not saying that like this is your rhetorical tack, but it seems similar to the whole notion of oh well, you have privilege, so you don't get to have an opinion about like, uh, you know, white white people don't get to complain about the the cops or whatever because you ain't in that situation, man. It's like yeah, you know, it's interesting and extremely predictable that with the draft going away you don't see this level of protest on college campuses for wars that have been going on for two decades i mean it's not just the draft like that's kind of a red herring like the draft went away because nixon basically transitioned to using the uh republic of vietnam army as the actual boots on the ground, if you will, with heavy U.S. air and logistical support. Like, casualties went down, so they didn't need, as, or, well, the reverse. They didn't have as many men there, so there weren't as many casualties, so they didn't need a draft at that point. Like, if... Well, how do you best account for the lack of opposition to American imperialism on college campuses today? Yeah, lack of casualties, lack of casualties, lack of like direct costs. I mean, casualties aren't the only thing that actually imposes a cost on the population uh, from these wars. Like, yeah, the the all volunteer military definitely does have an effect. It's also the sort of weirdly mediated way that we tend to participate in these conflicts even during the height of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, we just did not have objectively that many people compared to the population of the country, regardless of them being uh, all volunteers. It's like it did not have the same uh, mass impact on the population as if you would have had, you know, the population adjusted, you know, like 700,000, like, or whatever you would have had to have soldiers in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan to compare with like the height of the Vietnam war. Uh, like Vietnam war was a, just a massive logistical endeavor as well. And it really, it did like touch the population in a way that no other war has since. But yeah, I mean, I think that you're right that there has been a lot of co-opting of uh, the population or popular opinion that it's much more efficient of a PR campaign now to say that, well, we're we're fighting not for like some abstract idea of like American credibility to Cold War alliances, but, you know, we're, we're fighting for the freedom of, of women in Afghanistan. They have to be able to go on Instagram and stuff like that has certain uh, synthesis with sectors of domestic opinion that are very uh, influential on places like college campuses. 
I mean, I... Do you think that boomers believe that because of uh, their generation, what the events took place during their generation were, you know, in their early 20s, that that was sort of the they get a they get a pass like that was their their moment regardless of what they individually did that they have that was their their anti-system descent for their lifetime now they're perfectly justified in cashing in on the war machine yeah i mean that plus you know civil rights like i mean it it i think it's that's exactly true. I don't know if it's that kind of explicit in their mind, but it's like, oh, well, I was against this other thing, so I know that I'm a good person. So if I'm for this other thing, then it must be especially moral and double plus good. Plus, it's like, oh, well, you know, I did the the whole protesting thing back in the day, so now it's now it's the young people's turn. I'm uh, I'm gonna be. In- yeah, they have not acquitted themselves well, but I mean, like, Did boomer it? hate is a kind of, it's a stale, it's a stale meme at this point. It's like, there's less and less of them every year, and at some point, like, I, I don't think they're particularly quote-unquote in control now. I don't know exactly who is uh, Joe Biden's pudding, uh, pudding maiden, but I'm guessing that she's uh, a she, is probably about 28 years old and has more, uh, practical political influence than about 98% of boomers. So the torch has passed, uh, unfortunately, to probably about, you know, X, Gen X, maybe maybe some millennials. I mean, like the millennials are about 40 now. There's still a shitload of boomers in position of power, but uh, that power is more and more paper and paper thin. Uh, and the practical networks of power are increasingly bypassing those. Like you can look at how people like college administrators, like if you manage to find like a 75 year old college administrator, most of them have been forced out at this point. But if you manage to find them, they're more or less hostages to uh, people that have these practical political networks uh, that are far, far younger than them, despite their titular authority or whatever, it's the same position as uh, people who thought that they were in control of uh, of these college campuses in the 1970s. It's like, no, you uh, you have a piece of paper that says that you're in charge, and there, there's a whole bunch of people that disagree, so you can get with the program or not. So uh, I hope this isn't too obvious a point, but... I think the fact that the United States has been engaged uh, ever since the end of the Cold War, which after Vietnam was relatively, as Hank has pointed out, uh, low on the casualty count, uh, the United States has been engaged in the war on terror, so-called, and the uh, enemies of the war on terror neatly align with the owners of our media in the United States. I do recall uh, finding it somewhat odd, not really understanding the actual root of it, but finding it quite odd that the New York Times was a pro George Bush's campaign to uh, invade Iraq, even though it seemed like the I, liberals I wonder why. against it. Yeah. So I think our listeners can draw the conclusions on that one, but I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point that our wars are really not for the United States, uh, but more for our greatest ally, it would seem, over the past 20 plus years. I mean, even things that have no tangible connection, like I find it difficult to believe that the Israel lobby really cares that much about Afghanistan. Like of all the other things that you could be concerned about, like probably you would prefer even just like 5% more of a chance of war with Iran as opposed to an actual shooting war in Afghanistan if you're picking and choosing wars, which you're in a position to do. So, I mean, there's a lot of domestic constituencies in the U.S. that have interests in uh, the things that our military spends money on, frankly. I mean, the same thing was true in Vietnam. Like, you had a huge 
constituency of people like all those right wing uh, aerospace engineers in uh, suburban California at the time, the people that literally built out Palo Alto uh, or the uh, the nicer parts of Los Angeles, like those people had a interest in what the United States was doing. It's not necessarily like a cynical calculation, but it's like the Upton Sinclair line. Like it's, you can't convince somebody that something is false if their paycheck depends on it being true. Like people don't have good cognitive mechanisms for like, my job is to make napalm for the good of the country. It's like, well, okay, you got this one guy that like, really loves napalm and you got this other guy that's not so much it's like oh napalm guy makes some good points like he there's a lot of great uses for napalm like you can use it in <laughs> vietnam or you can use it in central europe like it's a it's a salad topping it's a it's a washing machine mix it's what can't it do so i mean this is not a new phenomenon it's just that a lot of the uh kind of broad-based constituencies, I think, for war, uh, it no longer has the political saliency because of the things that we've talked about, but the economic incentives are still uh, incredibly salient now, probably even more so now that uh, the military-industrial complex has become kind of more uh, concentrated with less of a labor component to it. If you can't fix it with napalm, it's probably broke. All right, all right, we're back. Yeah, some late breaking okay, news. Real, real, real quick. So yeah, I discovered. Um, yeah, new update in the story. So Hank and I were trying to decide between the two women shot at Kent State by the National Guard. We wanted to know which of them was was cuter. I I and did not phrase as digging in. I do the objective would wouldn't. Well, yeah, I, either way. I mean, if it was a wood for both, we you got to be able to pick between the two. Yeah, and, yeah, the point is uh, uh, relatively... The process of, uh, yeah, well, we found out, actually, that um, Allison Beth uh, Krauss, is, uh, that is not a German name. Well, I mean, I guess it is a German name, but that's the, that's the rub. And uh, that actually brings the death total... Uh, because Jeffrey Glenn Miller is uh is also Jewish, so actually, here's your hot revisionist take. Uh, the Kent State shooting by the National Guard was actually a uh, a Holocaust in miniature, and uh, they killed uh, half of those killed were were in fact Jewish. What are the odds of student protests has fifty percent Jews? I mean, they fired blindly into the crowd, so that actually is a little bit astounding to me. Especially because it's like, like Kent State is not a it's not a huge, uh, like academic uh, destination. I guess it's probably still a little bit of selection effect from who's like in the front of the crowd. But Did, didn't Kyle Rittenhouse experience something similar or more uh, statistically yeah, he... odd? Well, that's that's not uh, statistically implausible. That's like turns out the people that receive stipends wait, wait, to go to these things wait, tend, wait, to, wait. tend to be people without any fucking no, no. options because they're all well, pedophiles. Both women are Jewish. Seventy-five percent of those kids were Jewish. Both women were Jewish. Oh my god! Why is Allison Krauss the only one that has Hebrew subtitles here? This is not adding up here. There's there's maybe, more to this the story. Other one might have to marrying out. We might have to do like a a deranged uh like part 2 at some point because this is getting spookier here. Nothing ever since turning around, and I don't want to grow up. 
Oh, oh, oh.